Amen. You know, God's up to some good things, you know? God is up to good things. I believe that there are things, I've talked about it for years, but I believe there's, there's a revival coming, there's awakening across this land. There, there are definitely some things that are happening. Be aware of that when you're in, um, out where you're at on your job or Kroger or HEB, wherever it is you go. Be aware that uh, to get out of our comfort zones and, and to reach out and touch people and speak words of peace to their hearts. People are looking for uh, truth. They're looking for something that's real. And Jesus Christ wants to bless people and touch people. Uh, he didn't come to condemn the word, world, but he came that the world might be saved through him. And so take opportunities just to listen. Maybe your family, pray, start praying. And as I mentioned, uh, pray. It, it's nothing you can pray at home. Pray for the service here as we gather. Pray that uh, for revival to break out at Lighthouse Fellowship. Continue to keep that in the forefront. I believe that God is uh, up to great and wonderful things. Uh, it was a veteran, not a preacher, who's given us freedom of religion. It's a veteran, not a reporter, who's given us freedom of the press. It's a veteran, not the poet, who's given us the freedom of speech. It's a veteran, not the campus organizer, who's given us the freedom to assemble. It's a veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It's the veteran, not the politician, who's given us the right to vote. It's the veteran who salutes the flag. It's the veteran who serves under the flag. It is the veteran who rests under the flag. You know, many have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Think about it. Many, many people. You look back and, and see the things that uh, have happened and the protection we've got. When we look at uh, World War II and we look at uh, a, a country that was trying to take over the world, and yet God providentially uh, spared us and God sent men and women across on uh, the European front and also the Pacific front and to fight a war in two arenas, which was a miracle that obviously many, many people. And so we thank God for those who have given a sacrifice. We don't ever want to forget because, you know, obviously if, if we forget he, history, the old expression is, is we're bound to repeat it. And we don't want, we want to be free. That's why you've got an influx of immigrants wanting to come to the United States of America because of the freedom that they have, because of the opportunity that they have to come to a place. That's why people are flocking to our shores. That's why people want to come. And so, Obviously, there's been many who have given the ultimate sacrifice, but also, isn't it wonderful to know the really ultimate sacrifice was given when Jesus Christ came and he, he was hung on a cross, he was buried, and he arose from the dead. When he fulfilled his Father's plan, the ultimate sacrifice that was given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I want to tell you today, he obviously uh, is deserving of all of our allegiance. He's deserving of all of the praise and glory and honor. I know in the book of Revelation it says, Who is worthy to open the scrolls? And they looked around and said, We don't see anybody. And then the Lamb of God came, and He is worthy to open the scrolls. And when you look at the unfolding part of history today, you know, we could very well be certainly there in the end of the end times. And so uh, we need to be ready. And I believe we're in a time of preparation. Don't forget that. I know I say that over and over again, but I want to... Everybody to be reminded today. It's something to be reminded. Reminded here how our country 
has obviously obtained its freedom and kept its freedom because of men and women who've given their lives. And uh, like no other nation, I guess throughout history, even when you, you look at diff the different empires that took place, the Roman Empire there and uh, all of those uh, th things throughout history, yet the United States of America here over 200 years has had that freedom. And I'm, I'm so grateful today. We don't know, and many times, if you've never experienced it, or maybe you've never gone to a third world country, and you've seen how confining and stifling it is where they try to keep freedom, you from having freedom, uh, you, we don't realize it because we've always had freedom. We've always, and, and we don't know what it's like not to have freedom. You see dictatorships, and you see here a socialistic bent that desires to give power in one centralized government and all that to try to, the government trying to hold that over you. And yet we're free today. We have that freedom. We have the freedom to vote, to put people, godly men and women in office that will obviously try to, uh, to keep our freedom, to, to, to put laws in place that will keep our freedom. We need to vote men and women in to office that have that particular uh, bent or beliefs that obviously we know the power in the hands of that small of a government like that can find. It can obviously trump over you, but I know that obviously the power is in the hands of the people. And we have a right. We have rights today. And yet Jesus Christ gave the ultimate sacrifice. Isn't it great? You know, we're watching on Wednesday night on the, from the History Channel, uh, Nancy Robinson has taped it for us, and we're watching it about the life of Jesus and seeing what Jesus went through uh, there uh, in, in the Middle East there and, and how he w eventually wound up and being betrayed and, and hanging on a cross and dying for the sins of all of mankind. No other religion teaches anything like this. All other religions are teach that you gain your salvation by works. Only Christianity does it say it's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by works, lest we boast in it. So it's a wonderful thing just believing and having faith in Jesus Christ and nothing I can do to earn it. Even, you know, preaching or doing ministry and maybe you doing good works and helping people and so forth, it does not bring you salvation. Only Jesus Christ today. and He gave the ultimate sacrifice. We need to remember him. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll look at the first three verses. This is a scripture that I have brought before you before, but I want to look at it today because we need to be reminded. I want to encourage you today. And I want to encourage you, don't throw the towel in. You know, some people say, I'd never do that, but sometimes we become apathetic, don't we? We become sort of like we... We kind of pull back, and, and maybe we feel like God has abandoned us, or maybe God is really disappointed in us, and therefore uh, we might as well give up on this thing called faith and our walk with Jesus Christ. But when you see here in the Scripture, I want to talk to you a little bit about this today when we look at the Scriptures. And so if you'd like to read with me, if you stand when the reading of the Word of God, or, or however, position yourself, but if you read it with me, I would appreciate that. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Thank you. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. The author, which some believe is Paul, some people don't really know, but he was really pleading with the Jewish believers because they were getting ready to leave their belief in Jesus. And they were getting ready to go back to uh, Judaism and basically throw in the towel about their faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. They were waited for all those years uh, for the Messiah to come. And when the Messiah came, he didn't necessarily come the way they thought he would. And he didn't necessarily respond in the way that they thought he would respond. You see, they were looking for a savior to save themselves from the hands of the Roman government, the oppression. They were under extreme oppression from the Roman government. They thought they were bring, kind of that, that the Messiah was going to be like a military leader to take them out of bondage. And yet Jesus came to give us spiritual freedom. And certainly spiritual, when we have spiritual freedom, we have the ultimate freedom. But yet it had to be according to God's plans. And that is that sin had to be atoned for. Sin was atoned for and only could be atoned for by a perfect sacrifice. And you know, in the Old Testament, they had the sacrifices of the animals. And that was just a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. In other words, that was a type or a, a way of showing the people what Jesus would do. Eventually, the ultimate sacrifice would be God himself, Jesus, the Son of, of God. He would give himself perfect. He came to earth. He never sinned. He was blameless, and he was without sin, and he obviously had to die for the sins of the world. That's the way it was. Somebody had to take on our sins to take care of our sins, and Jesus Christ came to atone for our sins. I thought about that and thinking, well, this seems to be kind of far-fetched. But you know, down deep in your heart, those who don't, have not received Jesus, they, they have like a heaviness. They have something's not right. It's, it's like my heart is not clean. I'm, I know what I've done. And so, because God gives us a conscience and God gives us that down in our hearts. And so, so he says something, you know, you feel like something's just not right. And Jesus came to make it right. He came. He took care of our sins. He took it, and he gave us his righteousness. He imparted to us his righteousness. He, he made us right before a holy God. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, which Jesus shed his blood, there can be no forgiveness or no remission of sin. And so it all came about according to the word of God. And you know, the word of God has endured the test of time. They've tried to destroy the word and, and all, and people down back in, in the Middle Eastern time, the Jesus time, they pass it down by word of mouth and so forth, and it was straight from the heart of God. And people have tried to destroy the word over the years, burn all the Bibles and so forth, and somebody comes up with a Bible supernaturally because the word of God can, will obviously last forever, the word of God. And not necessarily here there on the pages of, say, a bound book, but the word of God that God has spoken to our hearts. And so those who believe in him, those who put their faith in him, will receive and have eternal life. And it's not anything I can do. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Yet God calls me a saint after I receive Jesus Christ. 
And yet, God says it's a free gift of salvation for all who will believe. The Bible says the Father wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad that God pulled you out of the muck and the mire if you know Jesus today? It wasn't anything that I did. I was going on the wrong path. I was going over the cliff, and God intervened and touched me and drew me and forgave me. And I know the forgiveness of sin. I know the reality that I'm forgiven. I know the reality that I'm headed to heaven. Do you? The question, do you know? Are you sure? And yet so often what the enemy comes along and does is, is that all this stuff is just another religious technique that, quote, a church and maybe a few preachers have put together and so forth. And don't believe this stuff. Don't receive it. Don't know that. And eventually what happens is people throw the towel in on it. And let me tell you, what's happened today, I believe in the church, is because this church is not packed out and all the churches in Houston and around this country are not packed out. It's because many people have thrown in the towel. They've just said, hey, you know, I just give up on this. When hard times come, there's always that chance that, that, you know, we'll throw the tile in on our belief system. And so this is what the writer of the Hebrews is trying to say here. He's saying, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, if you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and you look at all the saints that have gone before us, those who endured suffering, many times lost and gave their lives, and how they endured. Actually, in the midst of that, their faith became stronger. They didn't give up. They didn't throw the towel in. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, I want you to see these people as a witness, as, a, uh, as people of encouragement, not to throw the towel in. They keep on keeping on. You know, we need to hear this every so often, don't we? We need to hear, do not give up on your faith and so forth. In due season, the Bible says in Galatians that we'll bear fruit if we don't give up. If we keep on, he says, therefore, he's saying that keep your eyes, look at these, these people that have gone before you, reflect upon them. And he's begging the people during those days. And actually the word of God is for today. He's telling you and me, don't give up. Romans 15, 4 says this, and it's the message. Even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. Everything in the Word of God is for us today. It's not some type of a mythology. It's the Word of God. It's actually from the heart of God. God has spoken it, and He's penned it. There are different authors penned it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, exactly what God was saying. And we study, we read, we see this is who God is. And it's like this is God's love letter to you and to me. And so he's saying here, reflect on these things. Look at the people that have gone before you and don't give up. We're actually not to become sort of apathetic because we can become apathetic. I know, and you know maybe. But we're to press in. We're to not get actually, you know, just hunker down more and say no and say, I committed my life to Christ. Maybe when you were a little boy or girl, maybe later in life, whenever it may be, I committed my life to Jesus, and I want to come back, and I want to get back to the basis, and I want to obviously have that relationship with Jesus Christ. I was telling the Lord recently, I said, Lord, I just want that relationship with you. I had that, but I just want to reiterate that. I just want to rededicate my life to you. I want 
that relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Again, Christianity is the only religion or faith, I don't even want to call it a religion, that has that. All others are based upon works that I can work and I can do. I haven't been quite as bad as my neighbor. I haven't been ba- quite as bad as that person I saw there on TV. You know, there were 11. Uh, one of my friends is a uh, HPD detective that goes in afterwards, and he, he said that there were 11 murders in, in the southeast Houston in the last couple of days. He's all over. He goes in after on the, the horrible scenes there, and he said, pray for these people because and there are many young men that are going out into eternity, sometimes it's gang-related and so forth, and they don't know Jesus. They have never had a, and put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. You maybe know some of them. Maybe you have people that you know of, but so forth. But people today need the Lord. But he's saying here that these things were written for us. We are in a race today. You know, in Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it talks, actually, the heroes of the faith. People that had faith, they didn't believe. Doesn't that encourage you? Look at how people, and you say, yeah, but Jim, I'm not a David, or, you know, I'm not uh, any of these great heroes of the faith and so forth. And yet, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a child of God. I'm a child of God. The Bible says I had the victory because of Jesus Christ. Not because of what I've done. I know my flaws. But because of what Jesus Christ has done. He says you are uh, in the family of God here. And so their faith and commitment there pushed them and and kept them, uh, obviously, on course, never denying the Lord Jesus Christ when they were mistreated and even to a point that many of them were martyred. They kept the faith. I mean, we've not obviously uh, experienced probably anything like that. I'm not saying we haven't faced hardships, but I'm just saying the people that are that great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, we need to look and say, man, they could do it. We can do it in the power of God. And God will give us the strength to be able to do that. So the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't give up today. Press in to what God's doing. Believe me for great and mighty things. Because, you know, the Christian wall does not guarantee us, you know, all these great flowery rose gardens. It doesn't promise us that. We know we have health issues. We have financial issues. We have all types of issues. The Bible does not promise us a rose garden. It's tough. In reality, I'm a realist in that. And I have faith, and I've seen God deliver, and I know He does. But I'm just saying, many times... It's a hard, long journey that we go through before we go to heaven. You know, I want to share with you. So these three verses are, are so powerful when you, you talk about that. And, you know, you ever heard in some of the churches and so forth, uh, the pastor saying, can I get a witness? What does that mean? You agree with what I'm saying? Can I get a witness in here? Amen. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Life is not easy. And we need to reflect and remember those who have gone before us and who've given, even given their lives. And they never wavered from their faith, you know? Sometimes, you know, it, it gets, when things get tough, you know, we squeal and like stuck pigs, don't we? Ow! It hurts. It hurts. And yet God is saying today, he's trying to grow us up. 
He wants us to mature in our faith to where we can be like those heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. That we can say, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm going to stand no matter what comes at me, no matter what health problem I'm going through, no matter what it is I'm going through. I'm never, I'm not going to give up. Takes a time. That's why we reflect. That's why every now and then we visit this. Um, Mark's mother, her name was Marie Prowse. She, uh, two months ago, they were out back of their house and they were doing the garden. She has a green thumb. She and her husband, Charles. And Charles has been here also when Mark played. Mark and Kim and the girls played. And they were out back and they were uh, doing some, some they've got a, a lot of flowers and plants and so forth two months ago. And she's gone home to be with the Lord. And I sat with the family yesterday afternoon and they told me about her life because I needed, obviously, for the service. And they talked about how when she was 16 years old is that uh, she was in a family where her mother had had nine husbands. She was not in a real good environment. And she went to a youth revival. And Marie gave her heart to Jesus and felt a call to share and be a part of ministry in the kingdom of God as 16-year-old. And she went to her pastor and said, I feel this call to be a part uh, of what God's doing, and I want to be a part of that. And this was 16 years old. And um, the pastor said, I've never told anybody this before, but knowing she was in uh, an abusive uh, family and so forth and all, he said, I don't know how you'll be able to survive unless you come out of that family. And so for whatever reason, he told her that. But Marie left and went to live with someone else and then went with somebody else, and she was taken care of all that time. But while she was, she was strengthened in her faith to where she loved children. And so all of her life, she was 77 when she went home. So all of her life, she worked in children's ministry and supported her husband, who was a worship leader in, as far as music and so forth in different churches. But she always gave herself uh, unto the Lord. I mean, dedicated, would spend hours with children and teaching them about Jesus, would take children in who had uh, been abandoned, who had uh, been neglected, and take children in and do this all throughout her whole life. And she was ministering even up till the time of her home going. And I say this today, is that when we make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, she had several surgeries. Both knees had to be replaced. She, had, uh, she was walking in pain most of her life because of her back issues and different things. And she never complained. And yet, she never stopped ministering to people, children, and to others till the day she went home. Her family's big family, all of her family, big family, know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, there's nothing better, is it? She passed her faith down. But I say all of this, she was 16, and she kept going. Life for her was not easy. Life was a challenge. Life was tough, 
But she was reminded, I'm sure, of, and, and you know, she's human, but I'm sure she was reminded of a great cloud of people who had gone before her who gave their lives for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Keep your eyes on these things. Remember these people. Remember, too, as we look at Memorial Day weekend, these people who have gone before us, given their lives for this country. Don't forget, again, freedom is not free. It's costly. And people have given their lives that you and I can stand here. I do not take this uh, freedom to stand in a pulpit and share with you about Jesus and his shed blood lightly. I take it very seriously. And I had to revisit that every now and then because I get off base because the world pulls you this way and that way and says, hey, a priority should be over here, you know, and so forth. And all of a sudden, wham, I wake up and say, no, the priority is my relationship with Jesus Christ because there's nothing else you can take to heaven except your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. There's nothing else. Nothing else better. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that, isn't it? Now, he goes on. Listen to this. He says, I need to put off all those things which trip me up. They're things we carry unnecessarily, don't we? Little habits we know are not right. We know they're not right, but we say kind of make a... uh, uh, kind of a, a, like, it's not too bad. It's not really ba- that bad and so forth. Or maybe we ignore it. Maybe there are things that have been there from our childhood. We're all raised in different environments when we were children. And a lot of what we picked up when we were children, sometimes we take it to our adulthood. And God is, he's saying here, the writer is saying, put off everything that is so easily entangles us. Now he's talking about those downright sin, those things that we know are wrong is to confess it to the Lord. Isn't it wonderful we have a Savior who readily listens to our confession, and He knows we did it, He's God, but that He takes that and He forgives us every time. You know, we're forgiven, what's the Scripture say? 70 times 7, that's 490. But He goes way behind, beyond the 490, and He forgives, and He forgives, and He forgives. Whatever it may be, I'm so glad of that. Man, I've gone past the 490 mark. I don't know about y'all. But he keeps on forgiving. Get rid of it. But he doesn't just say about those things that are downright wrong. He's saying those things that, that really are unnecessary, you know? And maybe that something came to mind. What's necessary in your life? Again, if the only thing is most important is your relationship with Jesus Christ, then the only thing is necessary is you, obviously, having that and getting stronger in your relationship with Jesus Christ. All this other stuff is, is junk or fluff, you know? We got big screen TVs. We've got all this stuff. I was going by, Cindy and I were going by a particular street, and I forget where it was now, and I said, man, look at the storage places over here on this side. They're two-story now and three-story high, there, I mean, unbelievable. And I looked at it, and there's this mass complex, complex of all these storage places there where you can go in and rent, you know, those little garages and so forth. And when we passed that one, right on the other side of it was another one. We got too much stuff. And he's saying, are all these things necessary? When we flooded at Harvey, you know, we, we cleaned out the first floor, 
we put it out on the driveway and got rid of it. And then when we got ready to move, I want to tell you, it was a major effort. And I said, I thought we just cleaned house. It's so much stuff. It's like, how do we get all this stuff in the house, in one house? A lot of things are unnecessary. And the way we're so busy today, we're so busy that we don't have time for the Lord. Many people today, they don't have time. They're down here in Kima going on some of these big boats. I love them. They're beautiful, and I love to be on one. But they don't come to church and hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, the Word of God, God can speak to you anywhere. But I'm just saying the community of believers is so important. And y'all are here today, and I want to bless you. You're here. You said, I'm coming. I want to hear the Word. I want encouragement. I want, I've had a rough week. I want to hear the Word of God. God says to get rid of all those things that are unnecessary. And then he goes on to say and says, and to concentrate on God, concentrate on him. Get rid of the things that weigh you down, distract you, steal your passion for Christ. Second Timothy says this. He says, and your hardship, listen to this, with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. He talks like we're soldiers. How many of you know in here today that we're soldiers in the army of God? And we have a commander-in-chief. His name is Jesus. He says, don't get involved in civilian affairs. We've got one purpose for living, and that is serving the Lord Jesus Christ, loving him, growing in our relationship with him, telling others about Jesus, making him known to the nations. You know, Nancy had a dream here recently in our board out there that has the little tacks that are uh, obviously where we have missionaries and all. And she had the dream, and the dream was there, and we were standing there, and she was talking Wednesday night about it. And finally, there were so many tacks of what was happening or what people were at and throughout the whole world, a picture of the world, that it fell on the floor. It was so heavy. And we were going, Lord, what's that mean? What is it you're saying through this? Is it the influence of Lighthouse Fellowship throughout the world? Maybe, yes, I believe. Because we and I have influence beyond the metropolitan area of Houston, Texas. We have influence on people's lives. I don't take that lightly. You know, again, if God, you know, some of the old evangelists said, if God had just one person, one man, one woman, who completely surrendered to him, sold out. He turned the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Doesn't take a crowd. Jesus only had 12, and one betrayed him, Judas. So be diligent in your walk as a soldier here to our commander-in-chief. His name is Jesus. And then he says, obviously, to run a good race. And I'll have to choose to persevere. You've got to persevere. Listen to this. Early in his career, someone said Vince Lombardi, y'all may have remembered him, I'm old enough to remember him, the Hall of Fame football coach of the Green Bay Packers, he knew little about the game of football. He was one of the greatest football coaches. He learned it. But begin with, he knew very little about the, the, the game of football. Listen to this. Thomas Edison's teachers gave up on him and said that he was too stupid to accomplish anything. Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb, who had made many inventions, the teachers gave up on him. 
Henry Ford, we know, he failed and went broke five times before inventing the Model T Ford. He failed over and over. Look at Ford right now. I know it's fixed or repaired daily. Some of you, pardon me, I, if some of you have Fords, that's an old expression. I was just using it. Ford's a good product. And so is uh, the GM products too. They build a good, they build, the, the pickup trucks are like no pickup trucks I've ever seen in my life before. Look at them. They're, they're, they're so luxurious in there and so forth. People love them. We love our trucks, don't we? We love that. Henry Ford, he went broke all those times. He didn't give up. He did not. Listen to this. Beethoven, you all know Beethoven, the music teacher, once said, his, his music teacher once said that his chances of ever being a successful composer were hopeless. That's Beethoven. <laughs> Albert Einstein, this will top it off, performed so poorly in his high school courses that his teachers actually encouraged his parents to pull him out of school. Albert Einstein, he was a genius. All of y'all know uh, of, that he was a genius. He they didn't give up in the accomplished. Don't give up. We can make a difference in this world, church. Lighthouse Fellowship, sitting over here off of 3rd Street, can make a difference in this community and beyond. I want to tell you today, I see great things today. I want the Holy Spirit of God to impart to you that faith to believe Him for great things. I don't want you to give up, and I don't want you to draw back. I want you to press in, because God is saying there are great things in store for us if we don't throw the towel in. You know, he goes on 1 Corinthians 15, says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not vain. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast. Be immovable. No matter what the hardship, you may never see the results of what you did for the kingdom of God. Amen? You may never see it. You may never feel like, yay, this is just man pie in the sky. You may never at all know, but you can remain faithful because you see, when Marie Prowse faced Jesus Christ, I believe Jesus said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. I believe that's what I long for. No matter what happens, she never gave up. The influence this lady had, the influence that you have every day, it's phenomenal if we don't give up and we're running this race and we persevere here. You know, and he goes on to say in verse 28 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, let me share with you. I've been in prison, he says. I've been flogged. I've been exposed to death time and again. Five times I was beaten with 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. This is the Apostle Paul. Three times I've been shipwrecked. I've had to constantly stay on the move because everywhere I went, people wanted to kill me. I've been deprived of sleep. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And yet he didn't give up. I mean, name it. Have you been through all those things that the Apostle Paul went through? I've been through it. I want to tell you. Then, listen to what he says here in verse 28. He said, you know, all that's bad, but let me tell you what's even worse. I had to take care of a bunch of churches <laughs> he said the believers were against him. The believers, I mean, isn't that something? You know? You guys are a wonderful support. But there are those today that basically they're like, man, they're just looking for, 
for someone they can tear down. This should be a place where we build one another up. This is where we should be able to speak words of encouragement to people. This is a place where we encourage and pull one, to, one another together. And when you stumble and fall, that you can come and we can pray for you. You can do the things that obviously the Bible says. And obviously nothing quenched his passion for Jesus. He had a passion, didn't he? It's very obviously Paul's telling us. Make the decision at the very beginning when you start this. Maybe decision today is you're saying, I, I need to make this decision. Make the decision. If the Lord's knocking at your heart's door, then make the decision to say, I'm going to be steadfast, immovable. When the hardship and difficulties come, when it comes like nothing's happening around me and all this stuff, and you know, I, I just want to kind of back off. You see, that's what's happened. People have left, and they've never darkened the church's doors again because maybe something God didn't answer the prayers the way that they uh, thought they would, he was supposed to answer them, or whatever it may be. They're angry, they're hurt, they're bitter. They allowed that root of bitterness to get in their life. They, they, they walked away from where real life is. Life is in Jesus Christ, because he's the one to give the giver of life. He's the only one worth living for. Everything else is temporary. That new car smell, it goes away real fast, doesn't it? But your relationship with Jesus Christ is where we want to stand. And the fourth thing is, he says, be single-minded. Don't focus on the church or the pastor or any of that. Focus upon Jesus. Stay, keep your eyes upon Jesus. And don't allow the hurry-up lifestyle to get us focused on other things. Everything's a drive-through now. Drive-through CVS, drive-through McDonald's. Everything's a drive-through. Everything is hurry up, obviously. And obviously, Domino Pizza, if you don't get it in 30 minutes, what is it, free? Mm -hmm. Everything's hurry up, isn't it? Yeah. Hurry up, hurry up. You get up, and you're in a rat race. And God said, don't allow these things to hinder you from the real reason we're here. And this is what the Scripture is telling us. You know, we need, obviously, Tom, Tom Cruise and Top Gun, he described as a need for speed. Just constant activity. We get up, be still, and know that he is God. Be alone with the Lord, hear him, and let him replenish and nourish your soul. It's only through his voice, through his presence in our lives. In Philippians 3, Paul says again, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. He's saying nothing more important. The last thing, I'll endure the suffering to see the smile. Jesus goes on to say, for the joy that was set before him, the cross. Can you, how, can, how can he say that? For the joy that was set before him? He knew he was going to have nails in his arms, and he knew he'd have nails in his feet. He knew, obviously, the crown of thorns. He knew all those things would take place. And yet, he said, for the joy that was set before him. And you see, the greatest anguish, I believe, for Jesus was knowing there would be people who would reject eternal life by not believing in him. There would be people who would reject him, and they would go out into eternity without Jesus Christ in their life. That was the greatest anguish, I believe, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And he said, for the joy. Why? How could he keep the joy? Let me suggest to you this. I believe it's because he knew he would have the smile of his father. He knew that he endured and said, I'm not going to give up because I will see my father's face. I will have the smile of my father. Can we say that today? Can we say that we will endure whatever it is physically you're going through, whatever it is emotionally, whatever it is spiritually, that we will endure. We're not going. We may have been knocked down. The devil may have knocked you down. And yet you say, I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to get up. And it takes that commitment on the front end because when the hard times come, we forget a lot of times those things because the storm is too great and the storm rages. I'll close with this. John chapter 6. Remember when Jesus did the miracle of feeding the 5,000 men and, 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 and they were actually not counting the women and the children. So there were 5,000 out there. Remember with the five loaves, they took the barley, bro. remember the, the disciples said, these guys are hungry out here and we got 5,000. Can you imagine 5,000, you know, all over this property? And he said, uh, we've only got some loaves and two fishes. What are we going to do? And Jesus went, you little faith, believe God can multiply it. And he, he looked up to heaven, he broke the loaves, and he took and distributed a fish. And remember, they had baskets left over. Fed the whole group. They were all full, 5,000 plus, whatever how many it was. He went on. These people had seen Jesus do that because they were following Jesus. They were interested in him. And so when they went around, they said, show us another miracle. We love miracles. I love miracles and so forth. And Jesus said, your eyes are in the wrong place. Keep your eyes upon me. And you see, he was teaching them about life, about how really to life. The blessed people don't curse people. Bless your enemy. Don't curse them and so forth. And they went on. And then remember that he was teaching about life. In verse 66, he says this. He says, from this time on... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They turned and walked away and lived life like they were living it. They said, this guy's got too hard a saying. He said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, remember? And he wasn't talking literally. He was talking about spiritually. In other words, what he was saying was, is that, You've got to listen to me. I have the words of life. I am life. And he said this. He says, many turned away because he's saying, this is too tough. And they left. And then remember Jesus looked at Peter and he said, you're going to leave also? And Peter said, where are we going? He said, you're the ones that have the word, the word of life to us. You're the only one we know. You're the only one that has the words of life. We're going to stay with you. There are many today have turned away from Jesus because of that. Got a little bit tough. Got a little bit hard. They didn't want to endure, you know, in saying, hey, and that's again. You know, a lot of us in here, we young people are coming to the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We see that around in this country, too. They're coming to the Lord. But many people, young people today, they don't know the hardships that you guys have gone through, you know. Today, you know, uh, since World War II, you know, you remember the war two generations, they didn't want their, their kids to go through what they went through. And so they don't know the hardships of life. They don't know. They've never had that. They've been kind of soft-pedaled. 
They've been taken care of. Nothing wrong with that, I'm not saying. It's just they don't know about, I call it life's experiences. And a lot of you out here today, maybe all of you, you know what it's like when life gets tough. And yet you're sitting here in these pews today. You've come in here to listen to an old preacher preach. You've come in here to worship. And you said, I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing the towel in. I'm not going to walk away from Jesus. I'm going to hang in there because I know that my one goal for living is to please the Father and to see the smile on my Father's face when I leave this world. Marie Prowse had two months. A lot of the people have less. And they were aghast at how quickly an illness can come in. And we know that and take over. Heart attacks can happen. Quickness and death can happen very quickly. And so we need to be ready. But it takes a commitment, doesn't it? You know, today, many times marriages don't last because, you know, we kind of sort of half-heartedly make a commitment. We make a vow, and a vow is very serious before the Lord God. In sickness and in health until death us do part. We make that, and then sometimes we just go, well, you know, um, looks like it's getting kind of tough here. You know, this wife is not who I thought she was. Or this husband, man, he throws his dirty socks in places I never imagined. And he never picks up his dirty underwear. And I am sick and tired of it. I have told him and told him the last time I'm going to tell him to do it. You know, and when he chews his food, he doesn't close his mouth. He's ill-mannered. He's rough. He's just rough around the edges. And you know, I thought I was getting some type of prince. Lord, was I a fool. So what we do is saying, hey, just let's get another one. Try and see. It's got to be better. Because the grass always looks better on the other side of the fence than it looks greener. Always. And then what happens, they jump into that. And they say that the higher percentage on second marriages will happen. And I'm again, there's forgiveness, and don't get me wrong on this, but I'm just saying that old-fashioned commitment, that old-fashioned hanging in there and enduring, sometimes we lost that. Kids today just say, well, you know, this job, I don't like this boss. I've talked to many of them. I don't like this boss. And I said, if God's moving, you, you, you do. You need to pray about it and all that. Pray about it. He's getting on my nerves. I'm quitting. And what they do is they jump from the frying pan into the fire. And they come back later and say, Jim, you're right. Said, I should have really stayed where I was at and endured. But you see, people today don't know what endurance is. They can't persevere. And in the Christian walk, it is the same thing. We just give up, don't we? We give up too easily. Don't give up. Keep pressing in, keep believing keep trusting. When God reveals himself, and when we get to heaven, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus, that old hymn, right? But don't give up. Life's tough. He never promised that it wouldn't be. He said we would have tribulation, persecution. We'd have some hard times, but he said, don't give up. Persevere. Run the race. Get rid of all everything kind of ties us down, and then keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. All hearts clear. Thank you for your attention.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence. We love you. Just pray any commitments today. Anybody has a commitment to just say, I just want to rededicate my life to the Lord. You can do that and talk to me. I'm always here. I'll, you can call me. My number's on the bulletin. And just call me and I'll, I'll meet you and we'll pray or pray after the service, whatever it may be. Whatever the Lord has led on, put on your heart this day, just know we're family. We love you and we want the very best for you and so does the Lord. Just be reminded that God is always with you. Remember what I mentioned last week is we are loved, we are forgiven, and we are accepted. The devil is saying, you blew it the last time. You may, might as well give up on this because he's through with you. And that's no, God's never through with us. He never gives up on us. He's always there. He's here. And he hears us when we cry out. May God bless each and every one of you here in the precious name of Jesus. Amen? Amen.